This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Dear Christians, in our epistle lesson, St. James writes us a beautiful beatitude that goes like this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. This beatitude, this blessed statement, describes the life of St. James. And it describes the life of all Christians as well you and I included. St. James is an important figure in the early church. But before that, we're not even sure that he believed at all. St. James was the brother of Jesus, at least the half-brother, raised in the same household. His whole hometown knew both James and Jesus. We see that in our gospel lesson for today. The people of the village of Nazareth, a couple hundred people, refused to listen to Jesus' sermons. They refused to believe he's the Son of God. They refused to listen to anything that he has to say. After all, they had known his family for a long time. Familiarity breeds contempt. The people of Nazareth said, Isn't this Jesus, the carpenter's son? The construction guy? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? How can this guy, who we know, be anyone important? It wasn't just the people of Nazareth that had this contempt bred with familiarity. So too, in the beginning, did St. James. He was familiar with Jesus. They grew up in the same house. He'd seen the place where he slept every night. He ate meals with him. He watched him grow. And as Luke's gospel teaches, learn also. James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe he was anything important. He didn't believe any more than King David's brother, Eliab, believed that David could kill Goliath. John chapter 7 verse 5 says that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him, and James would be included in that. Perhaps they didn't believe in him for his entire ministry. Perhaps they didn't believe in him when he was arrested. Perhaps they didn't believe, but instead were embarrassed as their mother stood at the feet of the cross as Christ died. James didn't show up at the crucifixion. And so, as Christ hung on that cross, he commended his mother Mary into the care of John, his disciple. 
not the brother of Jesus, James. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. But then something happened that changed everything. Jesus, who died on the cross, also rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared alive to Cephas, that is, St. Peter. He appeared alive to the 12 disciples, then to 500 disciples, then to James, the brother of Jesus. The resurrected Christ speaks to his doubting brother. The resurrected Christ shows his doubting brother that he's still alive, even though he was dead. And that knowledge, the knowledge of the resurrection of the dead, changed everything for St. James. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead meant that Jesus was God. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead meant that all sins had been forgiven by the death of Christ. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead meant that all of James's doubts were answered. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead meant that James had no choice going forward. His life would now be different. To put it in theological words that we use now, when James saw Jesus alive, he repented and he believed. James became a pastor preaching the forgiveness of sins through the death and resurrection of his brother, Jesus. James became the pastor, the bishop of Jerusalem, a town in which persecution was common, a town where Stephen was martyred. James became the pastor who oversaw the first church council, the Council of Jerusalem in 50 A.D., As pastor of Jerusalem at that council, he helped the entire church study the scriptures, including the obscure bits like Amos that is quoted in our first reading for tonight. He helped the church to see the truth of what Jesus preached, that God loved the whole world, the Gentiles included, not just the circumcised Jews. James became a leading figure in the entirety of the church, so much so that when St. Peter was set free from prison, he told his friends, go tell James. When Paul returned to Jerusalem after his third missionary journey, he goes to tell James how it went. James was a big figure. 
He preached to countless people in Jerusalem. He brought them to Christian faith through the word of God. He prayed for his members that their sins might be forgiven. He prayed for this nonstop. After all, he had sinned as well. Eusebius, the first historian of the Christian church, quotes an early church father who said, St. James prayed so much, kneeling down on the ground, that his knees were calloused like camel's knees. The preaching of the word by St. James in the city of Jerusalem made such an impact on the town Those who were against Christianity took notice. Annas, the son of Annas the high priest when Christ was killed, took advantage of an interregnum of the Roman authorities. The Roman governor had died and the new one wasn't there yet. And so Annas arrested James. Annas led him to the top of the porticos in the corner of the temple mount and threw him down a hundred feet and then led a gang of men with clubs down to where James's bruised and broken body lay and beat him with clubs to make sure he was dead. The beatitude that James wrote in our epistle lesson was fulfilled. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James the just, brother of Jesus, received the crown of life in his martyrdom. That beatitude written in our epistle lesson doesn't just describe St. James. It describes every Christian. St. James is an example to us about what our Christian life ought to look about. We pray in our colic for today that we might follow his example. Follow the example of James. Now, I don't mean you need to go out and get yourself executed by the temporal authorities of the world. I don't mean that you need to go out and become a pastor. I don't mean that you need to stand up at the next church council meeting and reconcile conflicting parties. Perhaps you could do those things That's not the part of James's life that is the good Christian example. Instead, if you are to follow James's example in any ways, do so in this. He repented and he believed. When he saw the resurrection of his brother, Christ, he repented and believed. When he saw Jesus raised from the dead, everything in his life changed. 
He spent the rest of his days following Christ. Dear Christians, you too sin. Perhaps not in the exact same way that James did, but you have lived as if Christ isn't really God in the flesh. You do this by ignoring his word, by thinking you know better than what God says in his commandments, by living as if you were your own God. You sin in this way, and you justify your sinful deeds, making excuses, attempting to cover up what you've done wrong by blaming others, by hiding it from the eyes of others, by flat out ignoring it. You sin. Sure, you come to church, but it grows familiar over time, and you let that familiarity breed contempt, contempt of God's word and teaching within your own heart. You close off your ears and zone out. We sing all the verses of the hymn. If the sermon's more than 20 minutes long, you start to count the beams on the ceiling or the tiles under the altar. Just go through the motions, the words of the liturgy, not taking them serious as if they're actually teaching you something, as if the Holy Spirit was actually working in those words, working faith in you. Sometimes you just plain doubt but are eager to believe the lies and denials the world broadcasts into your homes and into our schools. And so, like St. James, we too must repent. Repent of our doubt. Repent of our contempt, repent of our sin, repent and believe. Believe what? That Jesus has been raised from the dead, because he has. That changes everything for you, just like it did for James. If Jesus is raised from the dead, it means he's God. He's your God. If Jesus is raised from the dead, it means he died for your sins and that they are now forgiven. All of them. Every last one. 
If Jesus has been raised from the dead, it means that one day you too will live into life everlasting. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, it means you will one day be face to face with God. We sang that in the introit. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Those are words about you because Christ has been raised from the dead. That changes the way that you live. You no longer need to worry about living for today or this moment. You no longer need to worry about yourself. You no longer need to doubt. You are forgiven. You are God's child. You have life everlasting through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You repent and you believe. That's the life of a Christian. Repentance and faith. Every day, every moment. Repentance and faith. Not being afraid of those who persecute the faith not, not afraid of those who deny, but instead, in repentance and faith, standing up for Christ's word. In repentance and faith, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus as we head towards our death. In repentance and faith, looking forward to our resurrection. Repentance and faith that remains steadfast even under trial. Dear Christian, St. James writes a beautiful beatitude in our epistle lesson. Words that were true for him in his repentance and faith, and words that are true for you. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. In the name of Jesus, amen. This has been with Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, with intrepid hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it. <laughs>